If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, this is Buck Sexton, and you're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast, part of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Podcast Network. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. I want to encourage all of us to remember and honor the sacrifices that have been made by so many to protect and preserve the United States. Today is a special day. We remember those we lost as a result of the attacks on our country on September 11, 2001. That day, we lost 2,977 Americans. We hear so many stories of heroism from that day, the man in the red bandana, the volunteer, the off-duty firefighters who rushed to the scenes, and the neighbors and civilians who faced horror like we have never seen. Frank Siller has one of his own stories of heroism from that day. Frank is the founder, chairman, and CEO of Tunnel to Towers Foundation, which was started in remembrance of his little brother, Stephen, a New York City Fire Department firefighter who gave his life on 9-11. Before I bring Frank in with me, I want to first tell you about a great product that I have in my home called EnviroCleanse. When you think about the air in your home, ask yourself, If all home air purifiers are the same, why did the U.S. Department of Defense select EnviroCleanse to protect and purify the air on board our Navy ships? We use it in our house because one of my girls suffers from severe seasonal allergies. It's really changed her life. This season, this is the time when she starts to really get the swollen eyes, the headaches, the bloody noses. And this year, we haven't had any of that. I even asked her the other day, and she was like, no, Mom, it's been great. That's because EnviroCleanse uses patented earth mineral technology and a hospital-grade HEPA filter. This technology is so powerful, it destroys cold and flu viruses and COVID. I know you all want to hear that. 
And of course, those allergy inflaming toxins and mold and even more. Their hospital grade technology is so powerful. Like I said, it's used on Navy ships and thousands of classrooms. The EnviroCleanse promises far fewer colds and allergies, better sleep, and you're going to receive a free air quality monitor with your purchase. Honestly, test the difference in your home. It's been great for us. Visit ekpure.com. Use code Dixon for 10% off your EnviroCleanse air home purifier unit and free air quality monitor, plus fast free shipping. That's $150 savings. It's ekpure.com, code Dixon, ekpure.com, code Dixon. Now I want to welcome Frank Siller onto the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today on this day that, like I said before we got on here, all of us remember this day who lived through it. All of us remember the devastation and watching for those of us who were there in person watching it happen. For those of us that were watching it on TV, we'll never forget. But for you, it's different. You, I'd never actually heard your story. I've seen you on TV a million times. I knew that you had, that your brother, you had lost your brother. I had not heard that you were going golfing that morning, that that was your plan. Yes. Yeah, so 22 years ago today, uh, my brother, uh, Stephen was just finished his night tour in squad one in Brooklyn, which is an elite firehouse. They train for terrorism and they train to rescue other firefighters. And uh, he just finished his tour. He was driving on his way home. He's going to play golf with myself, my brother George and my brother Russ. And he heard on the radio scanner what, you know, the towers were hit. So, you know, what do these great heroes do? They turn around, they go. He went back to his uh, firehouse. He got his gear. His fire company would already responded. Uh, you know, to the call to duty. And uh, so he got his gear and drove to the mouth of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. If you listeners who don't know, that tunnel connects Brooklyn with downtown Manhattan. It's almost two miles long. Um, it was closed for security reasons. You know, people were already banding their cars in there and they didn't, weren't letting anyone go in towards the Manhattan, obviously, for obvious reasons. So um, he pulled over his uh, truck Uh, got out, put his 60 pounds of fire gear on his back and ran through that tunnel uh, up West Street uh, Mm. to what we believe he ran into the South Tower because that's where his other firefighter buddies were uh, recovered later on. Uh, And I'm sure he found out that he knew that that his firefighter guys that he trained with every day were in the South Tower. So that's where you'd want to go and rescue people and be around the people you train with every day. And, um, and while going up those stairs and saving others, he gave up his life. And when we heard the story of what my brother did that day, I didn't, you know, we didn't know, uh, you know, that he, that for sure that he died on 9-11 on 22 years ago, you know, when, when the South Tower came down, I actually, I felt inside that I did lose my brother at that point. I remember turning to my mother-in-law and saying, hey, Nancy, I think I just lost my brother. Wow. Not knowing that he got there. I had no idea, yeah. you know, that, you know, I, I kept on saying, well, maybe he couldn't get there. And or maybe the towers came down before he got there. You know, I was praying. Um, and, um, you know, but to go back to that, you know, that day 22 years ago, and I'll just for your listeners to understand what all 9-11 families are going through that day. So I found out that my brother was on a list of, missing firefighters and I was going to different firehouses and I actually was preparing to go to ground zero myself with a company out of Staten Island called rescue fire. I know all, all, all these guys all, all my life, you know, 
Staten Islanders are really blue collar, <laughs> you know, cops, firefighters, all that kind of stuff. And um, and so, but eventually, I realized that they was so horrific. I had my siblings come over my house. So Stephen was the youngest of seven kids, oh, uh, no. and and he, and he was a father of five. So. Mm. So I started having come to my house, and later in the afternoon, a friend of my brother's, a firefighter, a Richie Obermeyer, who actually lived two doors away from my brother on Staten Island, called me up and said, hey, Frank, this is Richie. Um, you know, I'm down here at Ground Zero. I want you to know that Stephen's on a list of missing firefighters. And I said, yeah, Richie, I knew that. Thank you for calling me. You know, I've been trying to call Stephen, you know, trying to contact him. Um, and he goes, well, he, you know, he's on that list and I want to let you know that it's really bad down here. And I said, yeah, Richie, I could see it's bad. I'm here with my family. My sisters are here. My brothers are here. You know, I, I could see how bad it is. He goes, no, Frank, it's bad. I said, Rich, I'm looking at it. I see it's bad. And he goes, no, you don't understand. Mm. Nobody's coming home. And uh, I had to get off the phone and tell my sisters and my brothers that. And, my, you know, it really brought us to our knees. My sister Gina was wailing and and we were devastated. And, you know, you know, we didn't know 100 percent he was gone at that point. But like I mentioned to you before, I felt he was gone knowing that he, he had yeah. gotten there. And so it was a terrible day. But there was so many acts of heroism. I heard you talked about the man in the red bandana on your intro. And uh, that Wells Crowther, you know, I know his mom, you know, I spoke to her. If you go to our website, we have his story up there because <laughs> there were so many acts of heroism uh, that some are told, some untold that, you know, the people will never uh, know about it. And uh, so today we're, we're rem re remembering all 2,977 souls that were uh, killed, taken from us uh, on that day. The people who were going in that day, like your brother, Stephen, when they got that call, when they heard that, I mean, I remember I walked, I was working in Chicago at the time and I took a train to a bus to my building and I get off and I go up to my building and there were just cops around me and they're like, you can't come in here. We're, this is, you know, we're, we've secured it. You're leaving, go home. And I remember thinking, the heck? <laughs> What are you talking about? You know, because you didn't have smartphones. You didn't know everything. No. It wasn't the detail wasn't right in front of you. And even getting on that bus and them turning on the radio and hearing the tower has fallen. It, my mind could not could not comprehend what that meant. You know, you can't you don't see it. You're hearing it. What did those people think that they were going to when your brother rushed off? What did they think compared to what they saw? I know exactly what they thought they were going to. And I know this because I've spoken to so many firefighters that survived that day. And I have accounts of them saying goodbye, not I'll see you later. When they were going in those buildings, and you have to know this, and America should never forget this, that those firefighters knew that it was a strong possibility that that was the last moments they were going to live. So mm. did they know that? Well, they, my, my brother know that when he was running through the, through the Brooklyn battery tunnel with his fire gear on his back, you know, when he made that decision, no. Did he know when he went up to West street? And then when he finally got to these, to the towers? Yes. No doubt about it. Cause at that point, people were already 
Imagine faced with this choice, the people above the fire line. And I have to say this because it's a reality check for everybody. The people above the fire line, which my heart breaks for, they were faced with two choices, to Mm. burn or to jump. And it was so sad to watch. And and if you're there, these firefighters that were there on the ground were seeing this happening at this point. They knew it was hell on earth at that moment. But they brought such grace and courage and heroism to that day. I, I look at that day as one of the greatest acts of love ever that all those firefighters and police officers and everyday people like Wells Crowther, the man in the red bandana and so many other stories that they went in there to save people knowing there's a strong possibility they were going to give up their lives and so many of them did and so many of them did. So to answer your question, yeah, they, they, they knew what they, were, they get, what they were getting into. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think we see those pictures like the falling man. And it's, it's interesting now because, you know, my kids, they didn't live through this. And we were there. My sister was in New York City and we were watching all of this happen. And it's just so exactly what you said. So powerful to think that they faced a decision and, and they chose that because the other was so horrific, knowing that there was no way out. Um, but I think we also see those pictures of like uh, the woman who was covered in dust walking down downtown, just kind of aimlessly walking. And I, I remember my sister saying that that happened all day long. She just saw people walking from ground zero up to up north in Manhattan, just kind of aimlessly with their, their briefcase covered in that dust. She was an attorney. She went back and she was doing pro bono work, getting people signed in and, and getting information from people. And she said, I can remember at the time sitting down at ground zero. And she said, from the time it took me to fill out one person's form, I would have to push all the dust off and move to the next form because even even weeks after sure. the dust was falling, a lot of people have been sick since then. And they've and, and you support those people as well, because a lot of these people have gone through these people that were heroes and, and just people that lived down there. I mean, we really didn't know what the impact of this was. We'd never experienced anything like this in the history of the country before. What is it like for those people now? And how do you support those people that have gotten this illness that is kind of this mysterious illness that they've many people have been sick in different ways from 9-11? Well, so. Once again, for your listeners to know that Tunnel to Towers Foundation, who I'm proud to say I'm the CEO and chairman of, takes care of every cop, every firefighter, every first responder in America who dies in the line of duty and has young children left behind. We're going to deliver them a mortgage-free home. If they don't have a home, we're going to find them a home. And if they do have a home, and most of them do, we're going to pay off their mortgage. We do that for Gold Star Widows. And we build specially adapted smart homes for our country's most catastrophically injured service members. But after 9-11, so many of these great heroes that were on that freaking pile looking for their brothers and, 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 and their loved ones or you know, just everybody who was missing. Because over, uh, you know, there was 2,977, as I mentioned before, people who died that day. There was always, so I think it's 1,200 plus that were never recovered. They were there trying to find them. The police officers, mm -hmm. firefighters, people came from all over the United States. Your sister was there. Your sister had that dust coming on them. And they were all told not to worry about it. Well, let me tell you, there's over the 200, uh, 300 and uh, 338th firefighter who died of 9-11 illnesses just died the other day. There's been over 300 police officers who have died of 9-11 illnesses. And if they have a young family left behind, because we're a first responders foundation, we're going to take care of their families. We're going to pay off their mortgages. I have a friend of mine who I just visited just the other day, um, Ace Canlan. 
Mike Candle, but he was ace to me growing up. We've been friends for 64 years, right? Since we've been, since we've been six years old, first grade. And uh, his job, he worked for Otis Elevator. His job was to go in mm. after 9-11 and clean out the soot inside the elevators, shafts. And now he wore all the apparatuses and everything, but it doesn't matter. Just like we know masks doesn't matter, right? Mm. Uh, you know, for other things like COVID. Right. Um, and he wore the, you know, he's dying. He, he is, he's moments away from dying of 9-11 cancer because of what he inhaled and what has gone through his body. It just keeps on taking so many uh, people. It's the terrorist attack that keeps on killing. I know that those who did this are smiling when that happens. Um, and that's what we have to remember what we're up against always, that they would love to do this again. They would love to, instead of killing, they'd love as many zeros after that number that we gave 2,977. If they put another zero on that, they would have been, happier and another zero they'd even been more happy so this is what we're up against and that's why we can't forget we just can never forget that we are always going to be under assault and we have to always protect our country one last point here on that since 9-11 over 7,000 men and women have died protecting us so we didn't have to have another 9-11 and so many bad things have happened, obviously, in Afghanistan, the withdrawal, all that kind of stuff. Sickens me. Sickens me. And all those families had to see that. They, they lost their loved ones. And this is how you're going to come out of there and end and all the good work that we were doing there. But we got to remember those families that are left behind, too, because they're, they're part of all part of 9-11 because we wouldn't have gone to war if it wasn't for 9-11. And, and that's why our foundation takes care of all these gold, gold star families that have given their lives, the loved ones given their lives for our country and have young families. And a lot of them don't have houses because they move from base to base or whatever, you know, may be in them when they're military. And that's why we build them, you know, a, a gold star, a widow and their children, a, a, a mortgage-free home. And we're so proud of the work that we're doing we're connected with our military because of what happened on 9-11. First responders, the same mentality anyway. You know, the courage, the heroism is incredible. You have so much support. You say, I mean, you're, you're passionate about this stuff and you're passionate about the mistakes that were made in Afghanistan. You've come out and you've, you've been very open about how you feel about this stuff. After 9-11, there was like this great uniting in the country. Like we've really not seen in decades. The country came together. There were people that were just pro-America, whatever it is, we're going to support America. And I think that when it comes to Tunnel to Towers, you still see that. You've raised over $500 million to support heroes and their families. And, and that isn't coming from just one side. That comes from, I mean, I've seen you with celebrities. I've seen you with all kinds of people from different backgrounds who are just like, look, this is what we do. We support our heroes. How do you keep that going? How In this world that seems so divided right now, how do you keep that going? I love it. But I just, I, I, what is that magic that you can keep that going? Well, it, it, it you know, it's great that you mentioned that because I, I got to tell you, I am around great Americans all the time. I, I am so blessed. It's it's incredible. And they come to us. You mentioned some of the celebrities, you know, like Mark Wahlberg, Cole Hauser, 
Rob Lowe, Dennis Quaid, you know, um, it's incredible. They come to us because they want to help and they believe in our mission. And you know why they believe in our mission? It's very simple. Who couldn't believe and take care of these great families that are left behind? I think almost every American would believe in that. I mean, there's some crazies out there that, you know, that think America is terrible, you know, Shame on them. I mean, meanwhile, they live. They have no idea. They live in the they take advantage of everything that these our freedoms uh, are given to us because of these men and women who put it all on the line for us every single day. Uh, But that's that's the beauty of America. But, yes, I'm around it all the time. And, you know, so people do what they can do. We ask everybody to do eleven dollars a month. I mean, most people can do that. And they know that 95.1% of every dollar that they donate goes to our, you know, to our programs. I think that's important because I I think most people don't know that sometimes you can give money and that money, you're just giving a small portion of that money. But you're talking about 95 cents on every dollar is actually going to these families, going to the mission. Right. It's not going in my pocket. That's for sure. I don't get paid. I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm a volunteer. I have tens and tens of thousands of volunteers all across America. We have, I think, 100 golf outings put on for us uh, this year. David Wells, uh, he's a pitcher, was a pitcher for the Yankees. And Wally Joyner, a baseball player uh, who, who's uh, like almost like a Hall of Famer, played for uh, 19 years. He, they, these guys are putting on these celebrity golf outings or different golf outings uh, for us and raising so, uh, so much money. But we have over 100 golf outings. We have over nearly 100 runs and climbs all over the United States that people can emulate what my brother did uh, that day and what so many other heroes uh, uh, did that day. But we have 3,000 events. 3,000 events for people at dinner or, uh, you know, some kind of a small fundraiser. I love the little kids that come. I can't tell you how many times I see a 10-year-old kid or a 15-year-old kid or whatever that did a fundraiser and gives us a check for $600 or $1,100. It means so much to me. And one of the reasons why I'm so proud that we have the 9-11 Institute on our website, you go to T2T again, and just, you'll see it. We have, uh, we have, kids for uh, classes for kids, K through 12 that you a curriculum that you could just press a button and it prints out what you can teach your class. We have teachers that download it every single day. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. We rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. This year, my daughter had her eighth grade field trip to Washington, D.C. We went and saw the 9-11 memorial there at the Pentagon. It was fascinating to see these seventh and eighth graders who did not live through this. They were really curious about it. They were looking at all the names. They were talking about how did it, how did the plane come in? We went from there a few months later to, I took her to New York City and we went down to ground zero and she, she looked at me and she said, mom, now I saw what happened in DC and I've seen what happened here, but it's, it's still really hard to understand. You have this mobile exhibit. How does that work? How do you, how do you talk to young kids about this? Because I just think it's the, the never forget message. You know, we will never forget but how do we educate so that they know? It's not easy, uh, but it's parents like you that make it happen. So that's beautiful that you did both both those things, go down to the Pentagon and then, of course, the Ground Zero. Um, and, and you should know for the 20th anniversary, two years ago uh, today, I finished my walk to honor my brother. Um, I walked from the Pentagon to Shanksville, where Flight 93 went down, to Ground Zero. 15, wow. mile, 15 miles a day for six weeks, 552 miles. And um, I came into Ground Zero on, on this day uh, uh, two, two years ago and walked to Ground Zero. And it's all because first I went to honor my brother, you know, and I didn't know how to do it in a proper way. And I figured that would be something special. And it was very spiritual for me. I can't even tell you how spiritual it was walking every day. And I had hundreds and sometimes thousands of people walk with me. Uh, you know, at different uh, different times and different that days. That is so cool. It was so beautiful. I cannot even, I, I just, and I, I tell you, it wasn't even hard. It wasn't hard. I trained, don't get me wrong. I'm an old, I'm pretty old. I'm 70 years old. Uh, but I trained um, 
and I think it made it easier. But I think the real reason why it was easy, because I, I tell you, my brother was with me. The Holy Spirit was with me. And I just felt like I was, I can't explain to you, going up a mountain. I climbed up a mountain one day with, uh, with uh, uh, a double amputee. And he had his shorty prosthetics on and three hours straight up a mountain, three hours straight. And he didn't complain. So I sure as heck was never going to complain. Uh, you know, and I saw him do that. And, you know, I'm sweating. And, you know, of course, he was sweating, too. But because uh, we did it, I did it in the middle of the summer. Um, but it was it was glorious. But, yes, we have to make sure we never forget. And that's why we have the 9-11 Institute where you could download these you know, the, the curriculums and for the age appropriate. And that's why we have a mobile exhibit that goes all over the United States. It, it's on tractor trail. It's 93 foot tractor trail and it opens up to 1100 square foot uh, museum with 9-11 artifacts. And who's manning that? My 9-11 buddy, my, my firefighter buddies who lived that day. We have over 200, a speaker's bureau. If somebody wanted somebody to come to speak at an event, because I love going to them, but I can't go to a thousand events on the course of a year or 5,000 events. So we have a speakers bureau. We have hundreds and hundreds of people who lived through that day of, of 9-11 that wanted to go anywhere and, 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 and speak about it. It's, you, you can't forget what happened. It's our first responsibility at Tunnel to Towers Foundation is to never forget and honor the sacrifice. And you brought, you brought something up about, stair climbs, these folks that there's these events. And I've been to one of these events where you climb the number of stairs that those firefighters climb that day. And you go to these events and there's firemen there in full gear doing this in honor of their brothers who went out that day and did this and lost their lives. I think it's so valuable to go do this yourself. And to, I mean, like you said, the walk was so spiritual for you to go do this and and you'll find one in your town. I'm sure they're all over. I mean, people are doing this to honor these folks, but honestly, it's to understand. It's more than just to honor. It's to live it and feel it and know what it was like. And you're doing it under no pressure. They're doing it as this building is falling, crumbling yes. around them. Yes. I mean, you think about that. You see these firefighters, they're silent. They're not saying anything. They're just in in the the zone of i'm gonna honor these guys it's pretty amazing it's emotional if you're there it's mm -hmm. emotional you do it with them uh, it, it's it's incredible you know we have our marquee event every year is our tunnel to towers run uh which is a couple weeks away it's the last sunday in september september 24th um and you know we retrace what my brother did we go th run through the tunnel and we have mm thousands of firefighters who come from all over the country. Matter of fact, we have 30 countries that are represented and we have 150 fi uh, London firefighters that come every, every year. Wow. Yeah. But, but what my point is, is that we all, we bring all these people again, once again, make sure we, we honor the sacrifice and never forget, but you run through the tunnel with these, we have 2,500 West Point cadets that run in cadence. They chant through the tunnel. You, if you're in that tunnel, it's just, it's just, it's just, the, it was, it was, it is the most patriotic event that you could be in in America, period, bar none. And it was voted that, some magazine voted it once, uh, you know, a while ago, but it's true. And then you come out of that tunnel, we have the pictures of all 
every firefighter and every police officer that died that day held by other firefighters and cops. Oh, wow. But their face, shoulder to shoulder. You put you put all them, you know, 343 firefighters together holding that banner. You'll see how long that, that line is. And then the police officers and Port Authority police officers and rescue workers. And and then we have the pictures of every, all the 7,000 plus men and women who died on the global war on terror. They're holding the pictures by ROTC and, and other uh, military members. It's almost a mile long of all these great people that have paid such a sacrifice for you and for me. And uh, I, I, I challenge anybody to come do it one year. Come do it one year. It is the most uplifting, emotional, and then we celebrate their lives with a big a big celebration on the block, right, facing ground zero. We cook. I have all my firefighter buddies cook for thirty or 40,000 people we're cooking for. I call it the miracles of the loaves and fishes because these guys make sure that, that they feed uh, they feed everybody. And we have, like this year, we have uh, uh, Lady uh, Antebellum, Lady A, uh, uh, singing for us. Uh, last year, Derek Spantley. We have, we have a great celebration on the block because – these guys were the most, and women were the most outrageous people ever, and they wouldn't want us to stay sad. Isn't it so, I mean, think about that, though. You take the worst terror attack on this nation ever. Isn't it so American that we would come out and we would say, look, you are not going to hold us down. We were always, every year we're going to come together and we're going to say we are stronger than this. We are stronger than terror. Yeah, yeah. Look, goodness always defeats evil. You read it in the Bible, but it is true, and and uh, and that's what we do here. And that's why our whole thing about Tunnel to Towers Foundation is is the St. Francis of Assisi. My my parents were very religious, and they were uh, they died when my brother was real young. Uh, he was eight and a half years old when my dad died, and a year later, my mom died. Oh, wow. So we raised my youngest brother, Stephen, mm. his oldest siblings. I said he's the youngest of seven, but we were a lot older. I was closest in age. I was 14 years older than Stephen. My brother, Russ, God rest his soul, passed recently, was 20, uh, 25 years older than him. So we were able to take that orphan baby kid and, and, and raise him. Uh, but say my, friend, my parents were Franciscans, and they gave us great faith. And, and teach and live a simple life. Uh, although this this foundation is not so simple anymore. <laughs> um, and uh, But St. Francis of Assisi said this, brothers and sisters, while we have time, let us do good. While we're here, let us do good because we're running out of time every single day. So while you have time, don't postpone it. Mm. Do good. And we remember everybody, we celebrate their lives, but the good that we're doing as a foundation to take care of these families that, like I said before, are willing to risk their lives for you and me, and all too often do, come on, as Americans, come on, let's all get together. You say, how do we keep this going? I have no doubt the Tunnel to Towers Foundation will be around forever. The need will always be there. There'll always be a firefighter or a police officer giving their life. There always will be. Sad yeah. to say, there'll always be conflicts around the world where America will stand up and take care of of the world, like we always, like we always have. So we'll always have guys coming back, losing their limbs, and they'll need smart homes. All these things that we're doing will always be near to need. So the foundation, I have no doubt, I know it for a hundred percent, will be here 
forever because the need will always be there. But let's all just come together and make this promise that we'll take care of these families that are left behind. And I think that's I love what it. we should do. It's it's time for us all to do good. And Frank Siller, you've really done good. And your brother, Stephen, what an amazing guy. I mean, his story is the reason that we want to support people who take care of us. His story is the story of everybody who has an emergency and needs that person. And we all need Stephen running through that tower for us. And Tunnel to Towers allows us to continue to support those families that have people running through tunnels to save us. I appreciate you. I'm so grateful for you today. And I just ask all of our listeners today, take some time to think about those heroes today. Thank a veteran. Thank the people that help you every day. Go to t2t.org and put that money in that monthly gift to make sure that we can continue to thank our heroes. Thank you, Frank Seller. Thank you. God bless. And thank you all for joining me today on this day that we will never forget on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Thank you for this episode and others. Go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, I want you to tell everybody you can today to remember our heroes and never forget 9-11. Have a blessed day. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.